Hey, welcome to a Q&A Friday. I thought about doing financials, but at the end of the day, I decided kind of not to, um, just because I had enough questions that came in, honestly, that uh, I could answer. So the kind of the three questions that I decided to answer, uh, with first was by Diane in Woodridge, Illinois. Uh, she is asking about an idea that she feels would help solve the lack of affordable childcare available to mothers. Uh, she's sent the pitch to many people that have thought it was a great idea, but nobody's agreed to help her with funding or securing a loan to help pay for the developer. And so she wanted, uh, it looks like she, then she goes in to ask how I could help her um, ensure that the money is well spent. And ensure that she's able to pay that loan back without uh, stressing herself as uh, as it looks like she does have a couple kids herself and uh, she doesn't want her and it looks and I actually just talked with her on the phone earlier and it sounds like she had, was having some things going on with her husband medically that was very unfortunate so I, I do wish her the best as far as that goes uh, but to answer the question it uh, whenever somebody like you have an idea and you don't really get any people that are willing to invest in it or put their money where their mouth is for say uh, it usually is a sign of a couple different things so the the main one is e they that are just trying to be too nice and that they don't want to give you that reality check that they actually don't like the idea um, the other thing is is that a that you haven't found the right investor and then the third thing is that you don't have a good enough execution strategy in place for them to feel comfortable seeing it as an investment meaning that you as you approach investors you have to understand that they are in it to make money that's how they make money right so you need to figure out how you can show them where the money goes and I and she gets that which is why she kind of goes in to, to say hey I want to ensure that my money is spent well and that I'm actually able to pay the loan back um, but the thing is is before you even try to secure the loan you have to know that information so I, I really feel that most of uh, her issue in this case is just finding that it's out of order uh, she's going about it in the wrong order and that's that's not a bad thing. There's lots of people that, especially when you're doing it for the first time, it's very, very hard. Uh, for me, I avoid financing like the plague just because I I really just hate that idea. However, I that is something that eventually I'm going to get into more um, because of the fact that I want to push myself outside of my comfort zone again. And that, because that's at the end of the day, that's where the most growth comes from. But to answer this again, this question. So the biggest thing that you need to prioritize is figuring out really what the app was going to look like. Right. So you need to conceptualize it because app development is not cheap. It definitely is not cheap. And I don't think that necessarily it would be in her best interest to learn how to do coding. So if you don't have the money and you don't have the ability to secure financing, then that's kind of your only option is to teach yourself coding. So understand that. 
So if you don't have any assets like a house or anything else that you can leverage, then that's probably your best bet. And honestly, if you have the time or the, the ability to, I would always recommend just learning how to do it yourself to at least get a beta concept done and finished before going to investments. Uh, that's kind of what Elon Musk essentially did with his business and numerous others have done as well is is to kind of prove the concept and to be able to polish it then they bring in other people as needed uh, or they find other programmers that are willing to help out and put in the time in exchange for equity or something like to that effect so as long as you can find somebody that believes in it and is maybe a dad in the same situation where he just kind of want to work wants to work from home then that may work out for you. However, if those options are not feasible, then your option then becomes, okay, what do I need to do? Like, what does the app look like? How is it going to be conceptualized? How can I prove the concept? Um, so in this case, since it's childcare, how can I build a network in that specific area? So you're not going to be able to kind of go globally with that at all uh, you, the same deployment method that you're going to use is similar to what uber did where they locked down different geographical areas and dominated those areas first and then proceeded to move into different areas and then offer the app and marketing in those other areas and, until it kind of blew up as this national phenomenon so that would be kind of the same thing that you need to do where you would actually build the network and your devoted following to say, hey, this is a great idea. Um, crowdfunding is a potential possibility if you did enough research on this. But what I would do is go to a lot of mom groups and people that are either newly moms or ones that have been, um, I, I know that there's tons and tons. Uh, that's always something I found very in interesting men don't really have necessarily support groups but women have all of these like crazy amount of different support groups and bonding and that and but that that's just kind of the way that biologic we we are kind of grown but that is to your advantage because now you have these women that are going to give you everything you need because you can validate the idea through thousands of moms as opposed to just your perspective as a mom itself uh, so as you do that and you have this kind of well-presented case study to say, yes, I, I show that there's a high demand for it, that there would be a lot of people. Cause, uh, so I actually talked to my wife about this as well when this question came in and I just said, how would you feel about it? And she actually ha would have had a hard time with it um, because she doesn't necessarily trust anybody with our kids, but that's, that's her. So, Everybody's going to have a different opinion, but it's also getting people outside of their comfort zones to where they would feel comfortable with that service. So how would you mitigate that? And um, we had actually talked on the phone about how you were considering doing the background check and things of that nature. However, even with that said, there's still people that aren't necessarily comfortable with it. And so another thing that you could do to help mitigate that is, say, um, have a web camera that is accessible by parents only. So you'd have to do an encrypted login, which means that not anybody could just view 
what kids are there at any given time because that's obviously a huge security and privacy issue um, as is right there but if you can create an encrypted login to where the kids can be checked on uh, within whatever home that they are in then that would provide that validity and security and help maybe people get overcome um, overcome some of those uh, challenges for the the moms that are at least not as comfortable with it especially if they don't know the person right so the other thing would be that once you prove the concept then you create a very defined scope of work document that means okay again what is it going to look like how is it going to operate what are the workflows so if i click this link what is it going to do as you do that now you have a scope of work that you can then get a more accurate price from a developer and then you can then secure lo um, loans from that point because now you've proven the concept proven that there is a demand in the segment or geographical area that you have that you can then become profitable pretty quick uh, then you would also need to talk to somebody that understands the different technology languages either like myself or somebody else that is going to say, okay, it needs to be built on this infrastructure so it can actually scale. Because the problem that you're gonna have is if you give some developers some freedom, they will take it in that inch and turn it into a mile, which means that they will do it in the very, very basic rudimentary uh, programming language uh, like HTML or SQL or something like that and it won't look good it will it may work okay but at the same time it will not uh, it won't scale so if you're for example your goal is to become a nationwide company and i know i've said for example like 20 like 20 hundred times and i'm critiquing myself even as i'm saying this which is why i pause and back up and stutter like that because i'm cringing kind of my own words and kind of the how i'm relaying it to you guys but anyways the back to the programming the the thing is is you need to build something that meets your long-term objectives uh that is not going to kill you in the in the up front but is going to be expandable later so for example oh my goodness i did it again see there we go again the I would recommend building that app probably in a full stack technology in something called like mean.io. And mean stack is Mongo, Express, Angular, and Node.js. And that is essentially just a different programming language and that, that is very, very scalable, that is very, very efficient which minimizes how much hardware you actually need to utilize for that to scale. So you can deploy it on something like Amazon servers and that can go across, like literally I can grow from 10 people. So a really small base of only 10 people or 10 users to 10 million users essentially overnight with that infrastructure, if that makes sense. So with that said, we'll, we'll kind of move on to the next one. Um, the other one I have is from a Nicole who is in Jersey, uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. So she just needed help with her online business. So 
She is a light worker and digital nomad. She provides guidance and products for spiritual healing while traveling to market services and products. You need to seek a supplier and drop ship handmade products to sell online. The products are common spiritual products you can find in any spiritual shop. Um, so she applied to vend at a couple of the churches in her local areas and also to reach out to some of the local healers in this area. And she's still editing products and adding content on the website. She's just trying to figure out her audience, mostly through the website and also followers on her Facebook page and Instagram, but there's not really much. Um, so I don't really have a ton of experience in this field, I'll be honest, but the principles stay the same. Um, and granted, I, I have worked with a lot of clients in your space, so I won't say that I don't know anything, but I will admit that I'm not an expert in the alternative healthcare spiritual healing for say, at least how I'm seeing you do it or, or do that. So, um, like I, I know chakras and that's about the extent of my knowledge there. <laughs> but, uh, what I can tell you is that there's plenty of people that do believe in that kind of stuff. Um, I do believe in some the principle, at least in that field where it is the transferring of energy, which is kind of in relation to how karma works and things of that nature. But there's tons of people that believe what you do. And so what you need to do is find those people. And the only way you're going to do that is by doing content just like I'm doing right now. So by doing this content, you reach more people. And as you accumulate that following that see things that value your opinion, then eventually you'll be able to be able to give them input. So I can ask, eventually the goal is that I can ask a bunch of people. So if I decide to bring a new market uh, product to market, hopefully I will have enough devoted following at this point or at that point, uh, at least that I can just put in a simple post and have 500 people or 5,000 people all respond on it and give me a really accurate poll about what would be valuable to them as a service. The same thing would apply to you, that you need to build that following and then figure out which products that your clients want to see. What ones are they ready and willing to buy that they're like, you know what, I would love to, if you can make this happen, I will put down 50 bucks or whatever uh, for that product instantly, whether it's essential oils or um, this some miracle massage oil or whatever, right? Um, the principle stays that same. Um, but where you haven't been doing much content and it definitely hasn't been consistent and it's not going to happen overnight. So I would just kind of expect that and understand that it's going to take a lot of grit and perseverance and that you're going to have to do this consistently and you're going to constantly have to not only create the content but be where those people are going to be so go to those churches be friends with them and just say hey if this is something that interests you i actually do a podcast that does it it doesn't mean to be salesy because everybody hates that salesy person um Think of, at least in my area, the, the, we have the Mary Kay reps and why almost everybody loves Mary Kay products and that a lot of the time. 
they usually hate how often those people are harassing them for sales and it kind of makes them an enemy as opposed to a friend. So you, it's that fine balance where you be a friend with them, but provide value. And as you provide them value, then you'll be able to ask them anything and they would, they're more than happy to respond. So hopefully that answers your question. If you have any other questions, uh, I guess we'll continue our conversation on that later. Uh, the other question we have, it was from Melrose, which is in Orlando, Florida. And she owns a marketing company and is in the process of restructuring the entire business model. She kind of hit a plateau and was just not, it doesn't look like, it, it looks like whatever she's trying is not panning out. And so it, it's been frustrating. And uh, so I definitely understand that that's the goal. So I asked her what her model, business model is and what the goals and objectives are. And she stated that she wants to 3x her current profits. She has her first publication on the role of ethics and advertising, which is more content oriented around her industry. Um, she kind of does what we do to a point, but she has a specific niche, um, which uh, I feel is great because everybody has their own niche that they do really well. Uh, so. With her objectives, her objectives is to reduce her costs by improving productivity, scale, uh, scale and increase sales by reducing the number of clients, but increasing the quality of those clients. And with the past couple of years, she's been helping a lot of entrepreneurs and startups that have no capital. And it's actually been hurting her uh, late payments on professionalism. And she was just appointed marketing director for the local community chamber of commerce. And she's getting more involved with professionals and companies and she doesn't feel ready to pitch to giant companies, but she wants to be ready to take those on when that opportunity presents itself. So the problem is she doesn't really have a quality portfolio done and she has a lot of startups that uh, she helped brand that end up quitting or failing uh, because of lack of capital or poor management and so forth. And she, so, so her company is faith-based. I don't know why we're, we're getting so many faith-based questions here, but it, it's, it's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's good. It's been interesting. The, the company is faith-based and she wants to kind of position her marketing or brand similar to Chick-fil-A, which is great. I mean, they're a very successful company and it's undeniable there. So what I had told her originally is that the issue is actually culture related, not money. And well, uh, basically I was willing to bet her money that she was taking on most, a lot of clients that just breathe just because they, she, she's a very, very sweet lady. And so if you're listening to it, you are, you're a very, very kind, um, kind hearted woman. And that even with the short time that we talked, uh, however, that is what was actually hurting. So the, she would turn down, she had no problem rejecting clients that didn't align with the company vision or, or ethical practice principles. However, she wasn't ha drawing the line to see which ones are, the best fit 
and she's actually truly able to help. It kind of just came, she went right into almost mother mode where she had to bring them in. She had to help them. Um, so for example, she could tell, um, like I could tell her that my family was dying of cancer and I really needed this money in this business to help support my family and I have no money at all. And she would instantly say, okay, yeah, great. You know, I, I'm more than willing to work with you on price without saying I would love to help you, but it would be a disservice to you to have you hire me um, because you need to get these other things in order first or otherwise I'm just setting you up for failure. And so that's kind of the conversation that has to take place um, is really understanding how to identify your ideal client on that one. You really have to say, learn to say no and how to help them. Because, for example, I get, and I did it again. Um, I know some of you are calling me on it as you're listening to this. <laughs> but uh, this is, uh, see, and I, I'm trying to, not to say it, and so I'm, now I'm going silent. <clears throat> So it's one of those things that you have to be able to identify who is your ideal client because as much as you want to help as many people and I want to help tons and tons of people, I get tons and tons of messages and that um, on the various platforms that I'm on that offers even free consulting or tips and tricks and that. And there's a lot of them that, honestly, they're asking the same question over and over and over again. And I already know for a fact that as I've become an expert in these different fields, that they are not going to be successful. I already know that they don't have the mentality. They don't have the grit. They don't have the fortitude. They're looking for the easy payout. They're not looking to build something of value, nor is their why a good reason their why is like well i just want the ferrari or i just want to do this or i want to work at home sit at, you know sit and do nothing watch netflix and expect everything all the money to come to me which is just not reality and if that is your reality then i will tell you right now you're going to fail you're going to fail miserably and uh, you might get lucky for a second, and so you can try to rub that in my face and that, but I guarantee you when this economy crashes and that, you are going to get a reality check that is not going to be a pretty picture for you. So action is always speaks louder than words. So if you're listening to this and not actually implementing what I'm telling you, then it's going to bite you. So again, going back to this, you do need to learn to be able to say no. And that was the hardest thing even for me to be able to say, look, you're not ready for this. Um, at first, I, after a while of being annoyed by the same question over and over again, sometimes I would get a little confrontational or seem a little bit more aggressive. I would just be like, look, you don't have the right intention. You're going to fail based on these reasons and best of luck. And so everyone thought I was just this jerk instead of just like, hey, look, I see it how it is. And you really need to get that these issues addressed first. So it's the same thing again in your business. 
you would need to address these different things first and understand what are the core elements that your ideal client needs to be successful and to for you to be a, uh, very effective for them, right? So my clients need at least somewhat to be able to rely on technology. Like that has to be a, a huge critical thing that most of their job relies on some of the technology for us to even consider them. Um, that they need to and understand the, the value. So value in their services so that they price their services effectively, that they have their books in order uh, I don't necessarily care to look at their books for say, uh, I will sometimes, if I'm getting too many red flags, then I will actually ask to look at people's books before I will considering doing some work for them because we're taking a lot of risks, doing a lot of upfront work for the long-term gain. And if I can see that they're a couple weeks from bankruptcy, then I'm going to walk away from them and say, look, you need to get this other stuff in order. Because if I extend you now, it will cost you 20 grand to actually get the basic structure. And by that time, you've already lost your business. So this needs to be a priority first. So I make sure that that's in order. And then the other thing would be making sure the the ethical practices are there, just like you said, uh, that they are good people, that they are truly trying to make a difference in the world. Um and that they also are relatively organized, that there's a definitely understood hierarchy on who I need to talk to, who I need to report issues to, things of that nature. Because there's nothing worse than to get in between the fight of mom and dad fighting. Um, and so that's just not a relationship you wanna be. And then also the maturity, the maturity factor has to be there. So I don't usually work with younger people just because unfortunately that's where the drama starts and it doesn't matter if they're 80 years old or 20 years old age has nothing to do with maturity so understand that um, you have to look at for what they have handled if they are very monetary they wear a lot of jewelry they do a lot of different things and you can see that their finances aren't in a wreck or they are just a drama queen and that they thrive on that drama. So if I look at their social media pages and I can see that they've had 10 baby daddies or all this other stuff too, I walk away. I, I don't even give them the time of day because I guarantee that person is going to badmouth you 20 ways to Sunday and destroy your company's reputation that you value so highly. So it's prote protect yourself as much as you might want to help everybody. At the end of the day, you've got to protect yourself and they got to learn the, the hard way that they need to change before being ready for somebody of your caliber and your skill set. So um, I think we'll end the Q&A on that one. Hopefully uh, we that applies to enough of you out there, but um, I, I think it does if you actually understand the main the points and that, especially that last one with Melrose. Uh, and understanding really why and the importance of why you need to for, uh, filter out your clients and pick the ideal and increase that quality ones and understand really what those characteristics are. So look at what your core values are, really what is important to you 
and also what is important in an adult just as far as general characteristics. Uh, for me, it's stability and just common sense and be a, the ability to think logically and understand. So anyways, we'll go from there. If you have any questions or if you would like to get your questions in for next week, be sure to leave us a message at 833-LOVE-ROI. Again, 833-L-O-V-E-R-O-I. Thank you and catch you on the next podcast.